0: That texture, that crunch, just the sound alone. My friends, all of that was powered by a very specific plant. And that plant is known as yuca or cassava. And it is a uh, shrub cultivated in tropical and subtropical climates. And most people identify the root as the main edible part of the plant. Although I have had dishes like isombe in Rwanda, which is made from the greens. Anyway, yuca, AKA cassava, and I, I will confess, uh, going forward, this might get a little confusing because yuca and cassava are synonymous. And then, of course, uh, boiling and extracting their starch is called tapioca. It's also known as manioc in uh, some countries. Anyway, we've got a lot of names for something that uh, is doing a lot of good in the world. It's one of the most drought-tolerant crops in the world. And uh, believe it or not, yuca is the third largest source of carbohydrates in the tropics. Of course, following rice and maize and it is a basic food for over half a billion people. Pretty wild, huh? Of course, tapioca is used in all sorts of fun foods, but also in animal feeds and even industrial purposes. My friends, this is Warner's World of Wonders, and today we are gonna dive deep on yuca, aka cassava, and then its byproduct of tapioca. When I was living in Brooklyn, New York, uh, I lived in a neighborhood with a ton of Caribbean influence. For me, as a new New Yorker, it was incredible to see all of the various items of produce that I wasn't familiar with. You know, Growing up in, in Maryland, our produce aisle looks like uh, green beans, asparagus, and of course, crabs. But I digress, you would see all sorts of roots and all sorts of fruits, and as a culinarian, I was pretty enthusiastic to figure out what all of these things were. And one of them was yucca. And uh, yucca is just a a really weird-looking root. Uh, Imagine a sweet potato, but with a a waxy coat of armor. And uh, then when you cut into it, it doesn't particularly uh, scream, hey, I'm edible. And as a matter of fact, uh, if you keep investigating yucca, a.k.a. cassava, you will realize that uh, you gotta cook it uh, because otherwise it contains cyanide, and uh, you can get cyanide poisoning from it. But anyway, so in addition to making tapioca pudding, bubble tea, and even booze, uh, some countries are using it as biofuel. Cassava starch is also used in laundry products. You know, so if you've ever wanted that, uh, you know, stiff collar, love me a good stiff collar, you were probably spraying cassava starch on there. During World War II, a lot of uh, refugees and other displaced people uh, survived off of cassava, given that you can plant and harvest cassava every two months. It's pretty wild. So as you know, we uh, often take to the digital street, also known as uh, Twitter or even occasionally Instagram, and uh, we reach out to see if there are any people out there in the wide, wide world uh, who th- share the same opinion as myself, that uh, cassava, manioc tapioca, all of these things are excellent right after the break. You might not know this about me, but I was born in Maryland. So when something claims to be Chesapeake Bay flavored, I've got to investigate. And I found the glory that is Snackland's. Snackland's started as a joke, kind of like this podcast. And uh, they have incredibly simple ingredients, yucca, mushrooms, onions. And it's this kind of snack that has this irresistible, crispy, crunchy sort of vibe to it. And because they are snacklins, because they are vegetarian, an entire snack size bag is only 90 calories. So according to their motto, you can eat the whole bag. And, and trust me, it's not just that you can, you will. They have tons of delicious flavors. And by tons, I mean five. Barbecue, the aforementioned Chesapeake Bay, where are all my crab heads at? Nacho, teriyaki, and cinnamon churro. That's right. Even a dessert version. All of the flavors are non-GMO, vegan, kosher, gluten-free, grain-free, dairy-free, nut-free, and soy-free. So there's kind of like no excuse to not eat a whole bag of Snacklins. Use code JUSTIN to get 20% off at snacklins.com. And here, another enthusiast of uh, at least a yucca byproduct, we have Irene Wu. Now I know Irene from uh, working in uh, Marvel Comics. And uh, Irene is a huge lover of uh, boba tea and i think i know you but just for the record who are you and what do you do
1: hi my name is irene um i what do i do i do a lot of things but uh, i mainly work in marketing for entertainment and i run a food instagram on the side for fun
0: excellent and i know you because we work together uh at like comic-con for marvel Back in the day. Yes,
1: did. That was a good time. That was a fun time.
0: <laughs> it's true. Well, as a food enthusiast, you know, of course, I wanted to check out your blog. And I, I would go so far as to say you're not just a bubble tea fan, but uh, you were a bubble tea connoisseur, enthusiast,
1: obsessive uh, boba user, addicted, probably. Yes, all of the above.
0: <laughs> wow. I didn't know that boba is something that you could like use. I, is there like a 12 step program for that?
1: It is it's when you're feeling very sad and you know just going through life and you're like I really need to pick me up and you're like you know what makes me happy boba and you eat it you eat it every day for probably a month and you start gaining a lot of weight cuz there's just so much sugar content in each boba ball
0: I love it so let's um for those who are not familiar what is bubble tea aka boba
1: So uh, bubble tea or boba it's honestly so there's actually There's a lot of ways to describe this. It's basically just chewy, warm balls. Like in in boba drinks, which it's just sweet. It could be sweet tea, milk tea, or any sort of um, just drink. It's, you know, you can use green tea, black tea, and then there's like different, like you can do taro tea or like honey milk tea or any of those. And there's like different concoctions of drinks that you just can choose. I honestly, technically really only go for a green tea or a black tea. I'm very simple. I don't need the milk in it. I don't need, and that's not because I'm lactose intolerant or anything that I just prefer a simple tea. And I actually opt in for sometimes like an aloe vera or something. But if I'm going to like Boba guys, I will get a strawberry matcha latte with Boba because that is like the best combination. And then there's a place actually called loose leaf Boba and they have Boba there. And if you actually try to order online, you have to go on warmballs.com. And that's literally how you order your boba tea for pickup.
0: Wow. Impressive. So what exactly is boba then other than warm balls? Uh, how, how would you describe it to you know, someone from another planet?
1: <laughs> so, okay. When I first tried boba, I actually did not like it. I went to a place called Cup. They were very, it's it's very chewy. It's very, it's a very, it's acquired. It's an acquired taste, honestly. It's kind of like beer. Like you don't like it at first and then you keep drinking it. You keep eating it. Well, you don't eat beer, but you eat boba. So like it's it's an acquired taste. And then it sometimes tastes better with some drinks versus other drinks. So it doesn't really taste good in all drinks. Like I wouldn't put it in like my green, my honey green tea. I'd put it in like more of a milk tea because it just balances it out more. It's very chewy if it gets cold, then it gets like kind of hard and it's not actually that good, but it's when it's super fresh, it's warm and it's chewy and it's sweet and it's just kind of addicting. I don't know how to describe it, but I guess like the chewing aspect of it and the, the sweetness of it all just makes, I don't know. I feel like it produces happy chemicals in your brain. And that's why I personally like eating it. And that's why all my friends keep going back. I feel like that's what it creates for people, but that's how I would describe it.
0: So the average person that has not had uh, bubble tea boba etc um how do you sell them on the idea of it's a drink you can chew <laughs>
1: Um it's kind of exciting right you're going more and for the drink and then each time you you suck the drink you're you don't know if you're going to get a boba ball or how many you're going to get so it's kind of a surprise and then sometimes you kind of have like this little inner game with yourself where you're drinking and you're like oh how many of these like can i actually suck up And and the goal is to kind of have the right amount of boba ratio to your drink ratio, and that's like a real thing. Like people actually, like I think I went to a boba shop with one of my friends, and she literally said the boba the the boba to drink ratio is very good. So like, this is something that people actually judge it on.
0: I'd be lying if I said I wasn't one of those people. Um, I. I am the kind of person that like I want the last like the last ball to be the last you know thing you, you know what I mean like I I want no no, no boba left behind and like if and I, I feel as though I shouldn't have to do a lot of like math or or like have a lot of self control to make this happen
1: right and and the thing is is like so you know how usually some boba drinks are sealed at the top once you finish your drink. What I do is like because there's leftover, I just unseal the drink or take off the lid, and then you just drink the boba, like the last pieces, just like golf it in. It's great.
0: I love it. So, <laughs> as a bubble tea enthusiast, uh, are you like, I mean, and, and you say it creates happy chemicals. Are, are you pumped about like tapioca, cassava, things like that? Any, anything like in that family?
1: Yeah. So, like, I mean, there's a place called 85 Degrees, and they always have, like, these boba. um, They actually started going on the boba trend of having boba cakes. And it's pretty cool like they'll just make a milk tea cake flavor and then they'll just put fresh boba on top and you just eat it and it's honestly a trend and it's 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 fun and i also like i have my own boba straw like i have my own reusable boba straw i'm like all things boba so i'm on the trend like i i will go to a boba shop and i'll order something and they'll be like here's your straw and be like no i have my own so like that's how shameless i am with all the boba trends and everything
0: I just love when people are so enthusiastic but even more, I love when people are enthusiastic about something that could possibly be conceived as mundane. Kids in Britain call this version of yucca, frog spawn, fish eyes, or eyeball pudding. Uh, And it was dubbed Britain's most hated school pudding. But believe it or not, and uh, I've participated in this, uh, tapioca pudding, indeed, that devil. Uh, is making a comeback in the 21st century, because I think we're all starting to realize, you know what? It wasn't that bad. So I'd like to introduce to you a uh, fellow podcaster and proponent of tapioca pudding, Kevin Austin, who is a fellow podcaster and a big time uh, video game enthusiast like myself. And so I thought, well, you know what, Kev, why don't you come on my podcast? I've been on yours so many times. Why don't you join me? So, Kevin, um, because it's tradition around here, why don't you tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah,
2: so I mean, Justin gave it a a good uh, intro for me. So Kevin uh, from Rhode Island, uh, I'm an amateur podcaster and uh, video game journalist. uh, But my real uh, daytime job is information security for a major bank. So all the digital protection of all your funds.
0: Wow, thanks for that. We really appreciate it. (laughs) I try. So, Kevin, uh, we're talking tapioca. And, you know, this is kind of a weird thing uh, because we're talking tapioca pudding specifically, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't think anybody really discusses tapioca pudding. You just know that it exists or you don't. It's true. It
2: it gets, I think, overall, it gets a bad rap. And I think it's just because people don't
0: understand the glory of tapioca. Okay. So what, what do you think is the bad rap?
2: I think it's just when people look at it or it has that, uh, whenever you see like a, a movie where the kids are in high school and it's like, Oh, what's the side with my lunch stand? It's like, Oh, tapioca pudding, you know, just the, the visuals in it for people who don't know really about what tapioca is kind of grosses you out a little bit, the consistency of it, the, the look of it, just, you know, you have vanilla pudding, chocolate pudding, you know, and then tapioca. And that's always the last resort for most people. I feel
0: <sighs> that, that's a cry in shame because I think tapioca is king of the puddings. I mean, it's the only pudding with textural juxtaposition, right? Yes, it's not just a mushy pile of goo. It has different kinds of mushy piles of goo inside of it. <laughs> um. But you're a fan of tapioca pudding.
2: Yes, yes, I am. I, I think it's it's a weird thing that people just knew more about it. It's really, just as you said, it, it's vanilla pudding or a sweet pudding with some texture to it. So I think if if people had looked more into it and understood what it was or if they called it like boba pudding, I feel like it would sell a gajillion times more because people don't have a problem with, you know, tapioca pearls in their their milk teas, but you throw it in pudding and all of a sudden people get kind of freaked out about it.
0: Yeah, it's weird, you know, so we've discussed boba tea already on this episode and uh, I think you bring up a really good point. You know, we've been eating tapioca pudding for a very long time, whereas uh, bubble tea has only really been around since like the 80s. So uh, I'm just kind of, I don't know. I guess I'm like scratching my head at why we are like tapioca in pudding is bad, tapioca and tea is fine. Even though, let's be honest, like in my opinion, it's far weirder to have a, a a drink that you can also chew than it is to have like textural elements in pudding. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. I'm with you 100. That's what I said. Like if they just called it Bobo pudding, I feel like the the
2: Gen Z kids and the millennials would jump all over because they, they think it would be hip and something new where it could literally just be the same thing and just slap a different sticker over the name and they just get it better. Uh, But you're right, drinking tapioca pearls for a lot of people freaks them out, I think, too. Like the first time they have it, like, I don't know if I like this. You know, they kind of withdraw a little bit because you get that little jelly ball going down your throat you may not have been expecting. But in pudding, it, it works. It gives it a different consistency without making it like crunchy or something even weirder, you know, perhaps.
0: Well, I'm glad that you and I share the same enthusiasm for tapioca pudding because I truly do believe that it is king of puddings. Um, I guess what I want to get at is, so, you know, it's always kind of been poo-pooed in like popular culture as this like, you know, bummer of the pudding, but yet it is still out there. Do you think, uh, that the like industrialization or like the ever presence of tapioca is probably of tapioca pudding is maybe why people don't love it. Like it's like hospital or school food, you know? Yeah,
2: it's just been around forever that it has that stigma of, you know, great grandma's pudding. You know, oh, in the World War II, they used to eat that in the the battlefields and stuff like that. Like you have that reputation of it's just it's been around for so long. Nobody's really done anything to update or refresh it or give it a a, a facelift. You know, whoever's handling the marketing for tapioca pudding needs to get a different job because they're just not doing it right. They got to do something, some sort of gimmick. And I think people would just be all over it again.
0: Right, right. So here's my pitch. I want tapioca pearls to be at the bottom of the pudding cup. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Not intermixed. Mm -hmm. So if they're at the bottom and you're scooping down to get these like micro boba, right? Now all of a sudden it's like a fruit on the bottom yogurt or something like that. That's
2: exactly what I was thinking. Yep. That's exactly what I thought when you said that. It would be like a treasure hunt. If you do the, the boba, the tapioca pearls in a different shape you can market it to kids, you know, it's like, oh, it's the prize at the bottom of the cereal box. You got to get to it. It's like, oh, star-shaped boba, you know, stuff like that. And I think people would be all in on it. It doesn't taste bad. If It's a consistency thing, I think, for most people. And as we said, bubble tea is really big, especially now it's made a huge comeback and people don't seem to have a problem with that texture there. So why would you have a problem with it in your pudding?
0: Now, these two are kind of enjoying a, the processed version of this, a.k.a. tapioca. But Mary Samoji uses the actual root as an ingredient in her meals. Who are you and what do you do?
3: My name is Mary Samoji. I'm an occupational therapist, which means um, right now I'm working in post-orthopedic care. So if you break your hip or something like that, you come to me, I get you home. I also work on a ventilation unit and I also work in a children's uh, school for autism and I DJ. And of course, I follow you as uh, an avid fan on Twitter and on uh, Instagram. <laughs> That's me.
0: <laughs> so I reached out into the world and said, Hey, do you like yuca, cassava, tapioca, or any of those variants? And you said, Yes. Why?
3: Well, I personally like it because, um, Being adopted, I never got to eat Spanish food. So coincidentally, working in Yonkers and other places, I got a taste of Spanish food. Didn't really know what to do. So a friend of mine said, yucca, it's like a potato, you're Irish. You were brought up that way, so go for it. So Mm -hmm. I realized it's very economical, especially when you're coming out of college, you don't have a lot of money and it's easy to make. Even I can't uh, screw that up. But the one thing I do like is, It's versatile, and I did find that as a fun fact, that it's tapioca. I had no idea. But uh, the thing for me is that I think it's good for you besides being economical. And you can do so much with it. And I didn't even know until I talked to my friend uh, that you can actually put cheese and meat inside it. I know people fry it a lot, but that's something I have to do. That's not what I do. (laughs) So
0: so what is it that you... Like, what's your go-to yucca preparation?
3: Ah, well, first of all, I didn't know. Again, she had taught me that it's poisonous. I didn't realize it's a repellent to bugs. So that's like working with blowfish for me. So (laughs) I decided to uh, definitely watch her do it. And she taught me. And I think that that's definitely one thing. And you could get great knives on Warner's Wonders, which is what I'm getting to do the next (laughs) yucca to keep my uh, fingers in check. And I think that basically me preparing it, you know, putting it in water because it is starchy, but it's a good starch, you know, boiling it, putting salt, um, salt on it, which is pretty simple, basic. Um, I slice onions. I use red onions and just a pinch of salt, a couple of spoons of vinegar and uh, white vinegar for me. And then I just put it on a skillet and salt them for about a minute because you don't want to overcook it like I did the first time. And then you just place it over the yuca, you know, you put that on top and bam, it's done. And I use it as a side dish because potatoes get boring. So it's something to spice it up.
0: I love it. Do you get a little uh, rise or a little tingle knowing that, you know, it's potentially toxic?
3: I do because I wasn't cooking a lot and my husband works a lot. So now I'm home more. And I thought to myself, I don't want to kill my husband. (laughs) So let me go slow. And, you know, it it was a little nerve wracking, but she's been doing this for years. She's Dominican. And it was very nice to have her mentor me. So the first time doing it on my own, I was like, oh, hell yeah, (laughs) I'm going to kill my husband. I'm going to kill myself. But luckily I didn't. And, you know, I think it's like anything that you have to master. It takes time and you do it right. And you do something especially like that um, you do with somebody so that you learn from them. Otherwise, I don't want to make a mistake. I like life.
0: (laughs) Well, we like life too. And it sounds like uh, your life is indeed better now that you know about yucca, how to prepare it, how to consume it, and especially without killing anyone. Uh, Are you inclined to agree?
3: Absolutely, Because I'm I'm, I'm sure every American's trying to do this to agree, you know, watch their weight, watch their carbs, you know, watch their fat intake, everything to be healthy, especially with what's gone on in the last year or so. But I think it's important for me to eat right. I'm, you know, I'm at risk for a lot of things, heart disease, um, blah, blah, blah. But I just want to be as healthy as I can, do it as economically as I can. And, you know, if I can pass on something that people didn't know, like I didn't know until she did the cheese and the meat. I'm like, oh, I'm down for that. I'm definitely going to try that. So um, it's good. And also too, not not having a Colombian background, being raised Irish Catholic, it's nice to have a little piece of, you know, culture. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that she taught me that. You know, very diverse. <laughs>
0: Before we dive into our next guest, aka our expert, we're gonna play Justin's Jargon. Justin's Jargon, series of quick fire questions to get us up to speed about what we're gonna talk about. After all, we're dealing with an expert. What is yucca? Yucca! Oh man, yucca is a deliciously awesome
4: root vegetable, uh, usually sourcing from. Latin America, so like Brazil, Colombia, or um, Southeast Asia, so like Thailand is a huge producer of yuca. Um, it can also go as cassava, which is like the African varietal. So if you find it in Africa, it'll be cassava. Um, and then tapioca is what they would call it uh, in Southeast Asia.
0: Lovely. What is an extruded snack? An extruded snack.
4: Okay. I guess it's, I wish I had one to show you, but I guess since we're on a podcast, I can't show you. So I'm just going to do it. It's, you know, when you put a crunchy, puffy chip in your mouth and it like almost dissolves but yet it's still really crunchy you got to think like a veggie straw or a cheeto boom that's an extruded snack
0: what is a pork rind a pork
4: rind is i believe boiled dehydrated then deep fried pigskin uh in which it becomes this weird it goes literally from a belt right from a piece of leather do this delicious, crunchy, airy chip just by these three simple steps. And honestly, it's one of the craziest things because it's only pork skin that does that. Like you can't really do it that well with chicken skin or, or lamb skin or beef skin for that matter. So good on you pigs.
0: What is a snacklin and how would you describe it?
4: A snacklin is a crunchy, airy, delicious snack made from simple ingredients, mushrooms, onions, and yuca. And it's only 90 calories for the whole bag. Not some stupid serving size. That whole bag is 90 calories.
0: Well, my friends, uh, you know, behind every great snack is a great person. And with that, I'd like to introduce Sammy, founder of Snacklands, who uses yucca as the main source for their chips. So who are you and what do you do?
4: I believe actually the proper term is a snack spurt. Ooh. um Yeah, you like that? It's a portmanteau. Put them together. Uh, but no, my name is Sammy Cabrosley, and I'm the founder uh, and chief snack bagger at Snacklin'. We make delicious snacklin's. Yeah, man. So, Snacklin's is, uh I guess, the best way to explain it is it was a joke that's gotten really out of hand. Uh, me being a Muslim, I'd never had a pork rind in my entire life or any pork product for that matter. Uh, and one night at the bar, a buddy of mine made me a bet. It was like, hey, man, I know you make a lot of weird stuff in your kitchen. You can make a vegan pork rind. And like every good barbette, I accepted it, obviously, shook his hand, bet my life and my first child on it. Luckily for me, I came back a few months later, and bam, we had actually invented the first ever vegan pork rind. Uh, But really, beyond that, what it was, was it's this like super crunchy, deliciously salty snack that's airy and kind of everything you want from junk food, right? But it's only 90 calories for the whole bag. Uh, and it's all fresh ingredients. So, you know, we could talk about the pivot because like any good entrepreneur, you got to pivot at some point, you know, from the vegan pork rind, uh, you know, to something else. But yeah, that's just kind of how we got started. But and here we are, I guess, today, giving out free snacks to awesome people like you.
0: It's true. And uh, <laughs> everybody knows uh, that I am a fan of these snacklins, at least anybody who follows my unboxing videos on Instagram. And I got to say, uh, I was super pumped. Uh, you know, you had me at Chesapeake Bay Flavor. Um, you know, obviously the uh, big brand company that makes that iconic Chesapeake Bay flavor uh, has not paid to be mentioned on this podcast, but they could. But I got to say that it, it was a lot for me to kind of like take in and it was a lot for me to be excited about. So, you know, I, I get that this kind of started as a joke, but walk me through, you know, your, your process here because a pork rind is, is kind of the, you know, nature, God, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, created pork skin, you know. Man decided, okay, we'll process it and fry it. The end result, the the texture, the airiness, the crispiness, is something that's kind of a miracle. So how how did you go from just a bar bet to recreating the miracle out of uh, an entirely different thing, Yucca.
4: I think you honestly you hit it on the nail, man. I was such a big proponent of the snacking experience, and I like. Like, I like the feel of the crunch in my mouth of a chip, which I know sounds really kind of somewhat sexual, but it's not at all. I promise. I just really like snacks in my mouth. And having a, I guess I should probably preface, I did eat a pork rind, guys. Don't tell anyone up there, but I did have one. And having that texture to me, I was just, my mind was blown. I'd never had anything that was so light and airy, but yet had so much crunch to it. And so when we started to make the snack, that's really what I focused on. And I mean, I tried, Corn, I tried potato, I tried, you know, I tried like fufu, right? I tried plantains, I tried any sort of thing I could think of that would help me to achieve that, that's like that same texture and that starchy content, you know, that I was looking for, that starch content that I was looking for. Uh, and then one day I was in one of the, like, I was in my local Mercadito down in my neighborhood in DC and I walked in and I just thought they had this like yucca flower and I was like, yuca Harina, what is this, you know? And I tested it out, and I think that was like our aha moment. And then, really, the more we kind of looked into it, you realize like, wow, yuca has all these crazy properties that other root vegetables don't have. You know, and it's just, and it's so versatile that I think a lot of people think of just like the yuca fries you get with your, you know, with your with your roasted chicken. But I mean, yuca is awesome. And when you see how other countries and how other places are processing yuca, it's mind blowing. And I think that's just kind of how we we may have accidentally stumbled upon it in the Mercadito. But since then, I mean, we focused on it because, you know, that eating experience is
0: everything. Man. Wow. Uh, you know, that's such a miraculous thing and a, and a happy accident. And I love it when you can make those discoveries. And I think that's something that makes life awesome is when you can stumble upon something and then go down a rabbit hole with it and realize like, holy mackerel, like, you know, to some extent, the whole world is dependent on yuca in some way, shape or form. Uh, And so you turned yucca into this delightfully crispy, airy snack. Uh, Can you walk me at all through the process of what it looks like going from a bag of flour at your Mercadito uh, to your kitchen? Like, what was the creative process like?
4: Honestly, like those first bags of snackums we made would take us close to 16 hours for one bag of snacks. Like, so we were doing like batches, but I mean, 16 hours from beginning to end because how we were processing it. Like yucca has this awesome uh, gelatinization characteristic, right? And so we are taking at yucca where it's just like this regular flour that, you know, you would see like wheat flour would be, right? It feels the same, has that starchy texture to it. But then once you heat it past a certain point, you let those like cells like gelatinize, right? It becomes this miraculous thing, you know? And I think it was kind of, that was that aha. It was Yes, it was an aha moment when I fried the first one and it puffed up and it was delicious, but it was figuring out, wait, what made that an aha moment was really that we then focused on, you know? And, and understanding like the gelatinization characteristics of yuca. I mean, it's great. If you look at a lot of just Southeast Asian cuisine or even like Latin American cuisine, they're throwing like yuca it like as a thickener, you know, to make things thick, to make things chewy. And I was like, wow, that's such a cool thing. And like, you know, you take that same idea of chew, right? Which means it'll stretch and it'll mold. And then you kind of position that out and get rid of a little bit of the moisture, right? And then now when it should be chewing, when you fry it, it just starts to stretch out. and It doesn't explode. And that's how you get those beautiful air bubbles. Like that is very reminiscent of like, you know, a pork skin.
0: Wow. Fantastic. Um, did you at any point in your life think that you would have such an intimate relationship with, uh, that ugly Brown root?
4: No, no, not at all. Uh, I actually was, in a previous life, I actually worked in the media. So I thought I would be behind a microphone my entire life. (laughs) And now I'm just covered in yucca head to toe all the time. I think it was cool. Like, we've been around for about six years now. And I think the coolest thing is we kind of started using yucca before yucca became like an it thing that people wanted to use. You know what I mean? And also, I'm just going to preface this, it's yucca, not yucca. Don't let anyone tell you yucca. Yucca is like a weird, ugly-ass pumpkin from the Southwest United States that has nothing to do with yucca. So, a little factoid for your listeners there.
0: Well, we appreciate that. And uh, that's something that uh, we will assuredly cover. Um, You know, yucca, cassava, tapioca, kind of all words for the same thing that not many people know anything about. Uh, Question, where did you come up with the inspiration for your flavors? Because like I said... You had me at Chesapeake Bay.
4: So we're from the DC area. Anyone who's ever come to like the Maryland, DC area, you know, you have an iconic something Bay, right? There's another Bay out there that everyone likes to put on their seasoning. Well, the way to get around it and not get sued is you just call it Chesapeake Bay, right? That's what everyone else does. And so, honestly, the flavors came down to the fact, like, it was what did we have next to us? You know, we were I was actually testing this out in the basement of a barbecue restaurant. So when I fried the first ones, I reached over and they just have containers of barbecue rub everywhere. So I grabbed a little bit of that, sprinkled it on. was like, all right, we got our barbecue snacklin." The exact same barbecue snacklin you eat today was, was that exact same one. Like, the, like, you know, it's nothing has changed, right? And then the, because we're in this D.C. area, we have another container of this, you know, other base spice that everyone has in their pantry. We go, let's slap some of that stuff on there, you know, slap it on. They go, man, this tastes great. Uh, and that's, and those are our first two flavors it was literally just what we had next to us in the kitchen at the first time that we made it. So people look and they think like, wow, that was the, such a cool, unique approach to like how you're going to launch your product. And I was like another great accident right there. So,
0: <laughs> wow, that's, uh, incredible. I love that. And I, I got to say that I admire the, uh, the spirit, you know, sometimes I think uh, big snack uh, spends so much time, money and energy and trying to figure out what's good, what's new, uh, you know, so on and so forth. Flavor Labs, uh, but you just, you know, kind of winged it. And then now, I mean, you are a nationally sold product and uh, you're making people happy. And I think I got to say what makes me happiest about your product is that when somebody tries a Snacklin it's it's not a weird experience like it's not an alien shape or a, a you know if i look at if i have a pile of snacklins and a pile of yucca roots one of these things kind of weirds me out and it's not going to yeah. be the snacklins you, you know so yeah. i i think the cool thing is you try one of these things then you flip the bag over and you realize just how simple the ingredients are and maybe you'll learn you know maybe you'll go down a, a wormhole about yucca Maybe you'll realize like all of the crazy things about Yucca. and that's awesome that you can have a product that is so easy to enjoy yet so um, kind of like otherworldly to some people.
4: Yeah, and I think the simplicity like you kind of nailed it there. You know that simplicity is actually so hard to get. Uh, I think all these bigger brands, other people out there, they go, I want to make a snack that hits A, B, and C, right? Where Snackland's, we literally just made something that was delicious that happens to hit A, B, and C. And so when we go there, like when we're making new flavors, like we made our nacho flavor, I tried to make the most delicious nacho flavor I could before I went back and was like, all right, now we got to make this simple. Now we got to simplify this. Let's get rid of some of this weird stuff in there. No one wants to eat that. No one wants that in their body anyway, you know? And so I think the simplification is actually probably one of the most difficult things. I think it's like you said, it's kind of one of the things that a lot of other snack brands like they miss. Like, it's simple. It's a snack. I just want to eat it and feel good. So why are you trying to overcomplicate it so much with, you know, years of research and all this stuff? It's like, no, man, I can just, I can go out to, you know, to, to a store here, talk to my buyers, give every buyer five different samples of a salt and vinegar flavor and go, which one do you guys like the best? Why? Boom
0: you know and it's done. Uh, that's uh incredible. So but stay uh, nimble. Yeah, uh, n- nimbleness I think is is so uh crucial in this day and age. So now that you've you've done Snacklins and you've ha- had this deep dive and now a very intense relationship with Yuka. Uh how do you feel about Yuka in other forms?
4: I love like I said I think that Yucca... You know, whether it's yuca, cassava, or tapioca, it's all the same pretty much, just, you know, based on the soil, based on the conditions. They have different properties, slightly different properties. But I mean, if you have never had, like, I mean, like everyone's had, like, a boba tea, right? Those little tapioca balls, like, that's yuca. And to me, it's mind blowing that something that can be so chewy and, you know, and have that awesome, soft, chewy texture can also be the same thing that can be super crispy. Can also be a delicious mashed potato, you know what I mean? Like a mash of some sort. Like, I just think that, you know, and I, and I think that when you look at it, I guess, but here, I also let me preface this though. I'm also very conscientious of the fact that I don't want Yucca to be the new quinoa. You know, there are cultures out there and there are people out there that truly do depend on Yucca for their sustenance and for their survival. And, you know, that's part of their culture and their everyday thing. And so I try, like, I kind of joke like. I like the fact that Snacklins is getting big, but I hope I also didn't like blow up yucca. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be that guy that gentrified the neighborhood, right? So, you know, and so when you look at that, I'm like, all right, so we, you want to be cautious just because there are people out there, but I mean, but yucca is great. And I think that, you know, if you really try it, whether you're getting the starch, whether you're getting the root vegetable itself, there's so many different options and things that you can do with it.
0: So, so you, you went from making Snacklins in the, the kitchen of a barbecue place,
4: like literally hand rolling stuff, like putting it in a little steamer basket on my stove. And then I'd put it in my oven to dehydrate overnight. So I'd have to keep like three wooden spoons in there to keep the door cracked. Uh, now, though, as we've gotten bigger, I've started combining these steps. Uh, and one of our biggest things that we did was we actually went out there and I actually went to China. I went myself, bounced around to a bunch of different factories and we ended up finding just the right extruder, um, which is pretty much... Um, that's like, that's the machine that you use. You know what I mean? That's the same machine that they used to make everything from Cheetos to cheese puffs to any sort of puffed snack of veggie straw. Those are all extruded products. And so I kind of went from understanding more of the chef's aspect, like I'm steaming this and I'm doing this and I'm, you know, all the individual techniques and now having to learn like, what the hell's extrusion technology? You know what I mean? And understanding how that works and where that goes. But I mean, that went us from going like, you know, from taking 16 hours to make a bag of chips to now two and a half, right? All for that magic machine called an extruder. It's actually pretty cool. Extruders do everything. This may gross people out, but they do everything from like make plastic to dog food to like veggie straws, right? And so you can get everything out of these things. And really it's just a, have you ever seen like those, you ever been to like a really nice Italian restaurant and they have that pasta machine that's just like pumping out noodles in front of you, right? Not the hand cut ones, not where they're cutting them or whatever, but it's just like pumping it out. So that's what an extruder is, and it's a long corkscrew that gets thicker and thicker as it gets closer and closer to the end nozzles, right? And so what it's causing is as that's turning, it's causing pressure and or heat to happen, right? Usually both mixed together. Um, and that is what's causing that product to then come out, which is why you can have like, with your hands, you can squeeze pasta dough, like egg, you know, semolina and water. Just like you can squeeze as much as you want to, but it's just, Never going to be a noodle. You run it through there, and once you add in that like super high pressure, it becomes these beautiful noodles. And I think, you know that's like and that's in theory, that's what they're doing with Cheetos, that's what they're doing with you know any of those other bigger brands that you see If it's a puffy, airy snack, it's extruded.
0: So I come from a background of working in reality television. Uh, we are both cooks. Uh, and for better or worse, I cook on TV, and there's uh, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of feelings swirling around about reality television. You have some experience with reality television, and uh, that was Shark Tank, correct?
4: Yeah, uh, that was an awesome reality TV experience, if I may say so myself.
0: Walk us through it. Uh, yeah, so Shark Tank,
4: it's actually, I mean, the, the cool thing about that, and like I guess you hear that on the, you know, you always people like, oh, reality isn't real. Not, that's, not, that's not real TV. But when you watch Shark Tank, Pretty darn real. And I can attest to that. I mean, you are sitting by yourself in a room. You're there for, you know, a week or so. I was there for almost a week before I even went to pitch. So I was just like checking with the producer every day, then going to eat tacos. And then finally I got like the call, like, hey, you're going to go on this afternoon. I was like, cool. And you literally sit around. And I mean, people don't like, you don't get to like talk to the sharks beforehand. You don't get to meet them. It's literally you walking through that door. And that's the first time you've seen them and the first time they've seen you. And I mean, that is an intimidating ass experience that like there is not that that is nothing but true reality right there. When you watch my episode, like I choked, I straight up like I froze and I messed up. That's real. Like, I, that wasn't just to make me look like, oh, look, we're gonna make him look endearing. by make him look like a goofball. Like, no, I, I genuinely screwed up, genuinely screwed up on that. one. So, <laughs> but yeah, Shark Tank was great, man. And honestly, like we end up walking out with a deal with Mark Cuban. Uh, since then, Mark has become one of our, you know, one of our greatest, you know, not only proponents but one of our greatest teammates. Uh, I'm not going to lie; it still sends tingles through my spine when my phone buzzes and I look and it's an email from Mark Cuban.
0: Wow! Yeah, uh, amazing. I, I just, I don't know. This is such a magical thing that you know this extremely humble route you know, has, you, you've like surfed this route, you know, you know, and like, I feel like we, obviously we wouldn't be having this conversation today without that humble route.
4: Yeah. And I think it's, you know, and I think it's, it's part of that. Like as a cook, you find the same way. Like I find it almost a challenge for me to say, well, how can I use as much of this as possible? Right. And so even with the mushrooms that we use, like those are the ugly ones that you guys don't buy at the grocery store, but we'll buy them all day long. You know what I mean? And with the yucca the same way, like there's people were using it kind of one dimensional. And I was like, no, 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 this yucca, it's multi-dimensional. You can use it for so many different things. I mean, I've had like waffles made with yucca. I have had, you know, other inferior snacks, the snacklins made with yucca. I have had, you know, like all these crazy things that when you have it, you go, whoa, this is awesome. But, you know, because it, it gives us, yucca has a unique chewy but crunchy texture that they're oxymoronic to have something be chewy and crunchy at the same time doesn't make any sense but you could does it and I, I, that's what's so great uh, First off Justin I just want to say thank you so much for having us on there and also for snacking with us dude I don't think you understand for a small brand like ours like to have someone like you give our snacks a try that's, that's literally the best thing that can happen to us you know what I mean that's that's how small brands grow to one day be a big brand. And so deepest from the bottom of our hearts and everyone here behind me in the office, we want to say thank you, brother.
0: Oh, shoot! my pleasure. Just keep cranking out great snacks. I'm sorry. Keep extruding great snacks. That's
4: it. Look at that. Using the jargon already, but.
0: <laughs> so my friends, there you have it. Uh, we've talked with all sorts of people from all walks of life whose life has been made better because of yucca or cassava or tapioca. A lot of us, I think, don't realize uh, just how prevalent it is in our lives. And I think, you know, part of wondering about the world is learning about it so that we can properly appreciate uh, all those little secret actors that are just making life better. And gosh darn it, I think uh, yucca is one of those things. After all, it makes tapioca, it makes fuel, it makes clothing, booze, insect repellent, and got us through you know part of World War II. So whether you've realized it or not, you got you could to thank for life being great. This is Warner's World of Wonders, Justin Warner signing up. Warner's World of Wonders would not be possible without our lovely crew, but also without the people like you and by you, I mean people like Irene Wu, Kevin Austin, Mary Samoji, and of course Sammy from Snacklands. Thanks y'all.